This is the High Impact Leadership Podcast. Bringing vision into action. Josh Veneta is a leadership and business growth coach. I decided that I wanted to have a bigger impact. Bigger impact. Fueled by helping individuals and organizations thrive. Engaged with a new passion. Josh is a proven business leader. To help others succeed. Over 15 years experience in helping organizations put vision into action. Where we provide tools and wisdom that help leaders and their organizations to thrive. Strategy. Strategy. Consistent execution. Execution. Leadership. That's what coaching actually is. It's an unlocking of what's already there. This is the High Impact Leadership Podcast. Well, welcome back to another episode of High Impact, a podcast for leaders. Today, my guest is Bishop Andrew Williams. Drew Williams is began his professional career as a corporate litigator in the UK from 1989 through 1998. But despite his successful career, it was during this time that he began to sense that something significant was missing in his life. Much to the surprise of his wife and he, they found themselves drawn into something far deeper and ultimately came to a living faith in God through the love, support, and friendship of their Anglican parish. A time of discernment followed, and after much prayer and strong encouragement from those who knew him, he resigned from his law firm and began training for ordination at Trinity College in Bristol. He graduated with an honors degree in theology and was ordained to the Diocese of Exeter in 2000, after which he spent six years as associate vicar at St. Andrews in Chorleywood, a vibrant suburban congregation just outside of London. Prior to arriving at Chorleywood, he served a congregation in the southwest of England, and beginning in 2009, Bishop Andrew served as the senior pastor of Trinity Church in Greenwich, Connecticut, with an area with an areas of focus in developing and overseeing missional communities and ultimately multi-site congregations. His life passion is to graciously lead the churched, unchurched, and dechurched back to the reality of who Jesus truly is and the profundity of his love, grace, and mercy for them. That our, that our identity might steadfastly rest upon God's relentless, tender, and compassionate love. On January 10th, 2019, the Anglican Church in North America's College of Bishops consented to the election of the Right Reverend Andrew Williams as the next bishop to oversee the Anglican Diocese of New England, and Bishop Andrew was consecrated in that role on March the 16th, 2019. So Bishop Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So uh, what you may not know after that introduction is Drew is an incredibly gifted leader at helping to put vision into action. And that's why I invited him to the podcast. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's start a little bit with vision. Uh, I think that's often misunderstood. For a lot of organizations, they think that their vision is just to make massive amounts of money, which might be the byproduct of their vision, but it, it isn't in, in and of itself a vision. Some Others might think it's just merely being the best. I got to be the best. I got to be the best, um, as opposed to figuring out how you can be unique. Uh, but vision is more purposeful and aspirational than that. And this is something you understand well. So talk a bit about how you've discerned vision in the multiple roles that you have served in. Yeah, sure. I mean, first of all, you've been very generous. I mean, I would say that my natural kind of raw kind of leadership style kind of back in the day was was much more intuitive and um i and i'm i'm very grateful to a lot of people who've kind of leaned in um 
and taught me a lot. And a lot of that's come from the business world. Um, and I had a lot of that in London. And then coming to work in Greenwich, Connecticut, you can imagine that there are a lot of people who knew how to get the job done in Greenwich, Connecticut. So, so I don't. So I just kind of want to say that as an encouragement to anybody who feels, oh, you know, this isn't really my thing. I'm more of a thinker or this or that. Because I think you, you can learn these skills. You know, I mean, I'm so grateful to you. I feel I've learned an awful lot from you. So, um, but in terms of vision, I mean, I think if if you have an organization that's never actually thought about vision, I think you've actually got to start by telling them what the vision is. I actually think you actually have to kind of educate on, okay, as an organization, we are going to focus on, you know, what is what is this mental image, you know, um, that, that we're headed to? What does it actually look like? Where are we headed? You know, and I think it should be inspirational. I think it should be aspirational. I think it should be challenging. Mm. Um, and I think I think all of that kind of needs to be put out there. You know, this is this is what we're going to discern together. Um, and when I say together, I'll I'll kind of break down what I what I think what I mean by that. I think if if you're the CEO, the primary leader, whatever that position is in your organization, you can't shirk the responsibility of actually really wrestling with this on your own. And I would encourage anybody to take some, t you know, to have the discipline to take some time out of your calendar and go and do this, you know, sit with a notepad. And, and I think it's got to be for you, like what, what, you know, where do you really want to be? You know, if you, what does success look like for you? What would you look back on um, in the next, say, five years? I mean, I know, I know you, you, you and I always talk about how many years do we look ahead, whether it's two years or five years, but whatever that period is, and I think two is actually a better number, but you know what would what would be like yeah we made it and this is good this is this is life giving this is worth this investment of time and energy and so forth so sit with that and you know come up with your best thinking but don't think as the leader that you have to have it all nailed down because i think first of all i think a gear change in my leadership was to recognize that i felt i think there was a season when i felt overly responsible to have all the answers mm. and the gear shift came on i suddenly realized hang on a minute there's a better answer if i get the right people in the room um, and i may have some strong feelings and a strong conviction but let's lay that before people who you also want to bring into a sense of you know aspirational inspirational you know where are we headed vision casting kind of thing so i would then having spent that time on your own i'd then bring it to your to a senior team and that may be just two or three people that you really trust that you can bounce the kind of wild ideas you can be absolutely honest and get their feedback get their buy in get their refinement and i think when you have a, a you know that kind of chorus with you that's a a really good place to then go to a a slightly lot, lot wider leadership team and again you know, go put something real, substantive on the table, but invite feedback. Because I think at that point, what you what you should have is a whole, uh, you know, you've got you, you've got a, a a larger group of leaders that now feel bought in right from the get go. So when the vision is then cast for the wider organization, um, and that may even be. Uh, I think that would include your client base. I think that would include the people that you're seeking to serve with your vision. When you actually get to push the button and say, this is why we exist. This is what we're going to accomplish. Um, every, there's, there's a there's a, a much greater sense of buy-in mm. than if I just come down from the mountaintop and say, here it is. Yeah. Um, 
So I don't think I don't think I don't I wouldn't start this process by bringing you know your wider leaders together and it being like a committee kind of thing. I think that would be a disaster. I, I do think you have a responsibility as the CEO or the the senior leader, whatever however that translates in your organization. But I think then you kind of broaden it out, build consensus, refine, 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 and then when you're ready, push the button. I think wow. that what I like about that refining piece is like it's a combination of of saying, okay, this is where we're headed as the yeah. leader generally, mm -hmm. but the refining comes in making sure it's understood. I know it, being in some of these meetings before and working with clients, a leader might say, this is what I, I'm saying. Here's where I'm at. Here's yeah. the area where I am. And then yeah. what ends up happening is the person asks some really thoughtful and reflective questions, and it actually plums a little bit, even a little bit deeper. And there's more that's found there and there's more clarity that comes out of that. So I think yeah, yeah, the exactly. process is, is really helpful. And that tension that you described of be, saying, you know, this is the general direction we're going and I'm inviting feedback in that way does yeah. help to both create buy-in, but it also refines the original idea. It does. And I think a byproduct of that, which is, which is an important part, I think, in any in any organization is that you start to build vocabulary, a shared vocabulary. Mm. I mean, everybody has it. I mean, everybody has, I mean, I'm in the business I'm in, but in one sense, everybody has their own kind of liturgy. So, yeah. but I do think this process actually builds, we actually really get to understand together what we really mean. It's, it's easy for me to say something and someone over here to, to think they've understood me, but we haven't teased it out. But vocabulary can be because the great thing about vocabulary is that you can then begin to say things much more quickly because everybody knows what we mean when we say that. Um, but that's a process. So I think that's that's a great byproduct of this kind of vision building um, uh, strategy. A great question that I usually bring to my clients actually comes from a theologian. His name is uh, Beekner, And he said he asked people um, figure out the place where your greatest passion meets the world's greatest need yeah yeah it's such a, i think it's such a great vocational question when you're thinking about vision because it's something that's inspiring you know vision isn't about well we want to sell 35 million whatevers vision is we want to change the world by exactly no that thing exactly and actually i remember quite a few years ago now coming across i'm hope i'm remembering this right but it was a japanese insurance company that did a lot of research in this area and what they discerned was that actually building a culture where people felt good about changing the world, actually serving the world and making and making, you know, bringing benefit to people's lives was a much bigger incentivizer than actually paying them more money. So I'm not saying be cheap, but I'm just saying that whole um, to, to build this aspirational vision um, is a, a great way of again kind of creating loyalty and commitment and you know people people want to be part of something that's significant that i um not many people want to show up and just push a few buttons and go home most most people really do want to do something that they can feel that was a worthwhile i'm making a worthwhile contribution <laughs> yeah you know? i mean that your your life's work is you know helping people right to to see that and to find purpose in their lives well and yeah i mean i guess if i look at um you know the i've got about 175 leaders up and down New England and you know many of them could be doing all kinds of other things but they are passionate and they believe rightly that they are making and they are making a difference in their communities and they're drawing other people into that um and that is that's a great mobilizer mobilizer if you like great incentivizer
It is. So one of the things that I think you are well above average at um, that is missed often is continually casting vision. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're gifted at going around when you're visiting the, the 175 leaders that you just referenced up and down New England um, and keeping them aligned and also finding stories to celebrate. So yeah. um, that I imagine that that's maybe that came naturally to you. It doesn't come naturally to most. How do you stay on the lookout for these types of things? And what are some tips you yeah. give listeners to to be on the lookout to celebrate those types of really visionary moments? I I think I think you you picked on some key language there. I think, and I remember I remember someone saying this to me years ago. So this wasn't this isn't original to me. Um, but I I have seen this. I saw this in London. I mean, I'm in a sense I've done this on two continents. I have done this in you know the UK and I've done this in the states, um, and I've taught over all over Europe with this as well. So you you have to celebrate what you want to propagate you have to um and i think actually that causes us you know if you if you are if you tend to be a glass is half empty kind of person which is you know there's some merits in that that could be really helpful but i think you need to find someone who's the glass is half full <laughs> you need to kind of delegate that piece because i think what we have to do is to find those stories um and and paint pictures for people of what success looks like here is a represent here, here is an example of our vision being put into action you know here's this story where you know someone goes the extra mile and here's the fruit and um i also think that in this what you what what you'll find is that you i'm a great believer that there's a there's an awful lot of expertise at kind of a grassroots level at any in any organization yeah. um and i think in teasing out those stories you you bring again more and more people into this vision you know it's kind of like if oh, sorry if that's if you're at the front here heading the way and you're casting the vision there's your leadership team you know just behind you and so forth everybody else you know within this vision is kind of in this part sorry this is not a, this is not a a piece of paper but that's kind of driving forward and i think you've got to pay attention to what's going on in in the triangle as you're moving forward and pull out those stories you know and i think that's good communication i think that's um you know if you have a, a corporate newsletter or some kind of digital or, or whether you're just posting stuff i don't know whether there's a facebook I don't, whatever it is get it out there um and make it personal i mean literally the person who discovered this kind of neat little way of, um, you know, delivering on the vision, you know, ask them, how did that feel? Where did they come up with that? You know, how, how was that received? You know, actually get some live quotes. Photographs are good. And with phones, you can photograph anything. Photographs, one photograph tells a thousand pictures, you know, so I, a thousand words. So I, I think you, you got, I think you need to build a culture where you are continually celebrating what you want to propagate because that gives you the excuse to cast the vision again you can say hey this is the vision and this is that in action hey isn't that amazing and look at the rewards and look at how life-giving this is for this person who's kind of gone the extra mile or found this way to to deliver on the vision so um and i think in that sense you need to build a culture that says we are actually making progress you know, because the vision needs to be aspirational and in one sense, a bit beyond us. 
I think it needs to be like, whoa, this is bold. You know, I hope we make it. You know, if it's too easy, I mean, it's just like, mm, whatever, you know. But, right. but I think if it, if it has that kind of aspirational kind of lift off, then, then it's incumbent upon, I think, a, a strong leader and his team to actually say we are winning um yeah. might be slowly and you know but we're winning and here's a here's a great example and the other thing is i think that when people see what as a company is being celebrated they want in on that they just naturally want to be a part of the good news you just do and you and you read something and you go hey well we did this last week i mean i'm gonna call you know blah 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 and then you've got your another story so i asked I ask lots of questions. I deliberately, I'm just listening all the time for where I'm seeing the vision actually being put into action. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm quite unscrupulous in that sense. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say, hey, that's awesome. Can we, can we talk about that? Would you mind if we put that out there? And people generally are really happy, are very keen. They, they, they're, they're very pleased to actually sit, share some good news. They are. And I, the beauty of that is, you know, Pat Lencioni refers to a, one of leaders' primary responsibilities as being the chief reminding officer. Yeah, yeah. The things that you're talking about of seeking out these good stories, asking for permission to share them, you know, finding ways, whether it be in newsletters, um, in your digital media platforms. Uh, something you're really good at is when your organization has events, diocesan events, you'll actually highlight leaders who are putting the vision into action and have yeah. a period of time where there's a Q&A that can be done with them. And yeah. the beauty of that is somebody sitting in uh, the seats listening to that goes, hey, that's one of my peers. They're pretty approachable. And so while somebody may not want to come and talk directly to you as yeah. their, their leader about an issue they're having, they might talk about the person who just went up and said, hey, two years ago, we were having this particular issue. A team and I got together and we addressed it. And yeah. now if they can go and approach them. Yes, yeah. oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I do. And I think in that sense, it's amazing. It's amazing how just just a building a culture of honor in that sense. Um, I, it doesn't have to be a, a great big item on your budget line, but just something that that says, hey, we, we see you. We're really grateful. You know, great work. Um, and finding an opportunity to just kind of honor that. I think that goes and goes an awful long way. Um, Absolutely. And Jack, Jack Welch was a legendary CEO of GE. And he used to say there are, you know, the monetary rewards that I think we often gravitate towards, especially in, yeah. in the States. Yeah. And there are the rewards of the soul. Yeah. And things like what you're talking about and honoring time to go and spend with loved ones, things yeah. that money cannot purchase yeah exactly exactly and also i mean i can remember i remember as an attorney you know the reward i look back in that season the reward came when you exceeded your but your billing budget so you know you saw your salary go up but it did rather leave you with a sense of gosh i'm only really as good as last year's numbers and i know in one sense in the marketplace that's that's there's a there's a candidly there's there's some there's you know there has to be some reality there i mean i i get that but actually when you when you're building a culture of honor that's actually really seeking to honor the individual and however you you do that i think it creates a much a much stronger sense of loyalty to the company and a sense of um 
an appropriate sense of security. You know, this is a place that actually I feel valued and heard. Um, I think that I think that creates further kind of entrepreneurial thinking across the board. Um, and I think that I think it's a stronger incentivizer. I mean, I was really grateful for my big pay rises, and I can remember them in, at like 26, suddenly getting this huge bump. But I then remember going into the next year thinking, oh my gosh, I got to do that all over again. Um, and actually, if I look back, if we, I mean, occasionally we'd have some dinner or something, and if they'd done something like call someone up and say, hey, this person really settled this case, you know, blah, 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 you know, for, you know they get the, I don't know, golden pen or what, I don't know, whatever is the golden biro, I don't know, whatever, something that actually would have created a different kind of culture. It, it was less clinical. Um, money can sometimes just feel a bit clinical. Um, anyway, it's good. I'm not saying don't reward, but you, you understand what I'm saying. It's, I think it's a different kind. I think I think it's a both and as it often yeah. is. Yeah, absolutely. It's not absolutely. either or. I think yeah, no, you're absolutely. right. Like you were grateful for the pay increases, but you know, a little recognition in front of the team as well would have yeah. Oh yeah, no, it was both and it was both and. Yeah. I'm just saying, yeah, I, it's it is both and it is both yeah. and. Yeah. yeah, I agree. So you've mentioned multiple times the term putting vision into action. That's something that yeah. you, I actually yeah. have heard you say that I've adopted into my own vocabulary because I, I rather like it, and I think that's really the place where strategy operates. Yeah. Um, so you are, again, unique in the sense of I've seen a lot of leaders who have beautiful strategic plans and they never see the light of day. Um, they're gorgeous. They go on a wall or in a file somewhere and somebody eventually asks, well, where is your strategic plan? And the person tries to look for it and it looks beautiful. And then someone asks, well, where are you at on these items? And no one can remember. Yeah. Um, and then you have the opposite, which is you know, tyranny of the urgent, going to work on what's most important. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All the time. Absolutely. Talk about balancing in your role. Yeah. In leading a group of 175 others and in, in kind of that the yin and the yang of casting vision continuously and not giving up yeah. on that and building a good execution system. Okay, well, I think uh, there's some very various pieces to that. I mean, I think I'll begin by saying that once you cast the vision, I think what you then have to do is be very disciplined and kind of annualize or, you know, semi-annualize if you want, some kind of review, some kind of formal review process where, again, you come together with your senior leadership team, a wider leadership team and the company and say, okay, where are we? How, you know, and um, and and actually there's a sense, there needs to be a sense of accountability in that. I mean, I I mean, for us, I, I have 175 leaders, but they're responsible for multiple communities. So, you know, the diocese has an overall strategic, you know, there's a vision, missions, and so forth, but they then dovetail under that. Um, so one of the things that we do is actually bring our guys together once a year. I mean, you're a big part of this, and they have a two-day opportunity to, you know, work with coaches think it through they bring their leadership teams and they they review their strategy they 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 actually they have to actually uh they, they literally go home with a piece of paper with a plan on it that says this is this is what we want to accomplish in 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 fulfilling the vision you know here's the goal here's what success looks like here's who's going to do it here's what's going to cost us here are the resources that we need i mean it's really simple and in terms of it being filed away i am actually really old school here um but i actually send them home with an enormous piece of paper which i know sounds dumb 
but they know that I expect to see that piece of paper in their office when I go and visit. I want to see it up on the wall. And it actually literally being up there, I think, is a really constant rate. It's too easy for things just to get lost on your the, the bar, you know, with all the tiny. It's and I want it up on the wall. I want it seen. And I think also as you're going through the year, you can and I'm saying this to them, you can you can pivot. You know, you can say, OK, we really thought back in January that that was the way to go. But we just learned a couple of things or something has changed in, uh, in the marketplace or, you know, for us in the, in the culture or whatever it is we need to pivot a little bit here and you can make those adjustments, but everybody sees it. Um, the other thing I think is about building a culture where, and again, this isn't an expression I came up with, but I don't remember where I heard it, but it's always stayed with me is a, a permission to fail forward. Hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, I mean, I say to our guys, look, unless it's illegal, heretical or immoral, if you feel it could actually drive the vision forward, give it a go, you know? Um, so, I mean, you don't want the kind of risk-taking that could bring the company down or the integrity or the reputation of the company. Now, that, that's not the kind of risk I'm talking about, but but there is a there is a permission to actually try things and to, to, to work it out. And I think these moments of review are where we say, okay, did, did this service? And I <clears throat> used to spend a long time sitting with leaders and I still do this now, kind of, and the coaches, our coaches are now doing now saying, okay, so you tried that and actually maybe it didn't work quite as well as you'd hoped, but what did work and why do you think it didn't work? And then you just kind of take all that learning and you pour it into the next kind of strategic move. Um, yeah. So you're, you're kind of building on that. And, and again, I think um, I, I am a great believer in, recognizing that there is a there's a level of expertise at the grassroots level that you know i mean any ceo they have their own responsibility and you couldn't you can't expect somebody who's working in he i, I mean okay let's make it a flat place but someone who's you've got your ceo in the middle you've got someone out here you can't you can't the ceo's got their own area of responsibility and you can't expect someone out here to understand all the minutiae of just kind of how this is all fitting together mm -hmm. but in their area they have an expertise. I mean, and there are, I mean, there are just so many stories, aren't there, of somebody saying, well, actually, you know, if we only actually put one flame end on a on a matchstick, you know, we're going to save the company a billion, whatever it is, you know, all those kinds of stories. But I think they're real. I, I definitely feel that in my kind of industry. Um, my guys are the local experts. Yeah. Um, so I think it's 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 really allowing that. And again, I think that's celebrating it um making a space for it um but i think regular review acknowledging that it's okay to fail forward i think a sense of accountability to one another as well is good and i think the annual review really helps that because it's like okay at the, at the end of the end of the this kind of strategy building process they present a plan to their colleagues they say this is what we're going to do in our little part of the field this is this is what we're set to the first thing they do when they come back is hold up the plan and say, and this is how we did. And I have found in my area that there's nothing like prayer and peer pressure to kind of get people <laughs> motivated. So um, I think that's a really compelling thing. I mean, I know I've got people, you know, that they'll tell me it's like, oh my gosh, we've got the, you know, missional planning, the strategy thing coming up. I got to really, let's, let's, let's sit down and, you know, make sure we got some wins here. And that's, 
that drives out, I think, the tyranny of the urgent. I think that sense of accountability, mutual accountability. Yeah. Um, and we have ongoing within coaching, that. Yeah. coaching sessions throughout the year. And then, you know, yeah. like the pivots that you talk about, I think are great because a lot of times, you know, you sit in a room, you, you look and you'll have the right general idea, but the tactics might not be right. Yeah, exactly. So the tactics need to shift. And I think yeah. giving the, the the strategic plan is a, is a great framework, but yeah. inside of the framework, a lot can happen. And there's a lot of mobility and there is and things that can that take place that you learn about that you might need to to call yeah. it on. And actually, you, you've reminded me, I think one of the best kinds of um, story when you're painting a picture of something, hey, look, look what happened over here. This is a great place of success. I think the best kinds of story generally begin with, hey, we tried this, it stank. <laughs> Just yeah. didn't work like we hoped. But what we learned from that was this, and then we did that, and whoa, look what happened. And I think everybody can relate to that. You know, I think that's a, actually, frankly, I think that's a much more motivating story because- it is, And it goes with your, it goes with the whole idea of you talking about the goal is not perfection. And yeah. That's, that's the a huge misconception. Yeah, perfection is unattainable, and it's yeah. exhausting, and it's depleting yeah. energy, and it's anxiety-inducing. Yeah, what actually promotes growth is progress, compounding yeah. upon itself. Yeah, for better results. So yeah, I think exactly. that goes with. I think that goes exactly with what you're saying in the sense of of learning is there's growth that happens there, and we either you know I think it was John Woodner or somebody like that. He said we either um, learn or, or we win. Yes. Or fail. Like we learn or we win. Yeah. And, and I, I love that. That's yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. Right. I think that's. I do think that's exactly right. I do think that's exactly right. And again, I think, you know, these are strange times. There's a lot of kind of global and national uncertainty. I, you know, you can't give people cast iron, you know, there's, uh, there's no such thing as a job for life anymore, but you, I'm, I'm pretty sure it must be the same for pretty any mark. You, you want to build a team that actually feels a, an appropriate sense of security. And I think yeah. giving, you know, again, honoring the, Hey, we tried this, it didn't work, but this really did. And making that space for, for entrepreneurialism, it's like, it's okay for me to try, you know, I'm not going to get fired because I tried something and it didn't go quite as well as we hoped, but we've learned a ton. And then we did this and whoa, look at the results. Um, again, illegal, heretical, immoral. That's kind of what it is in my, in my industry. Um, I, I guess in the marketplace, you, you know, you don't want some kind of idea that could potentially ruin the integrity of the company. That's, that's not the kind of risk you're looking at, but with in, in a safer place, I think, allowing that kind of grassroots innovation to be celebrated, to bubble up, give it a place, communicate, just again, the buy-in. I mean, everybody's now in that vision moving forward. Yeah. And in in that, that, you know, it may start here. Yeah. But as you bring people into that fold, that's exactly it. It gets more. That's exactly it. And actually with your hands like that, I would say that these, what the, the sides here on my hands represent, if you like the boundary lines. Yeah, you that's know, right. It's like we're not gonna we're not gonna go into criminality here. We're not gonna we're not gonna get fraudulent here. We're not gonna we're not gonna preach heresy or whatever it is. Here are our values. The I think these actually do represent the values, really. Yeah. So within those values, moving this direction, there's all this space to be really creative. Um, exactly. And make a difference. 
So you're a big believer in coaching for your team. You're a big yes. believer in coaching for yourself. Yes. yes. Uh, talk for a, just a minute or two about what are some of the benefits that you've realized from coaching? Oh, gosh, there's so many. I think there's two that immediately come to mind, although I could talk about this for a long time. But just to say that, that the first two that come to mind is one, I think I think leadership is is hard. Um, I think anybody who says it isn't probably isn't leading. Um, I think it's 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 a hard science. It's a I think I think there's tremendous gifting out there. There are people with tremendous skills, but even with those tremendous skills and gifting and experience, it's still hard. Mm -hmm. um, so I think coaching provides that safe place to say, this is really hard. You know, like I mean, what the heck do I do with this? Yeah. Um, and I think what I really like about you, Josh, is that you, you, you there's a there's an empathetic kind of edge. Um, it's like, yeah, that's tough. You know, I mean, I, and I think that's a, that makes a safe place to be super honest about, yeah, and where could I have done better there? Um, so I think there's, it, 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 it works because it provides this kind of safe place where you can be, you can be honest about wins and things that you don't feel are going so well yeah. and kind of look at, um, and it should be a safe place. You know, um, it is I mean, leadership is lonely to some, I mean, you know, it's not only is it hard, it can be very lonely because it is. It you, know, is. you, one of your, you, there are a lot of things that you're dealing with and other organizational heads are dealing with that they can't go talk to a vice president or one of the other 175 leaders no, who no, are here care. No, exactly. So a coach provides a place where you can actually oh, yeah, put your I hair think, down. Absolutely. And I think, I think you know, in leadership quite often, you know, you, you just can't always give. It, it wouldn't be appropriate to give all the information. I mean, there's. I, I'm not saying that we aren't, we shouldn't be appropriately transparent, but transparency doesn't mean that you kind of, put everything out there you you that you, you can't and and so often i think leaders end up looking like idiots because they can't actually so you know it and frankly you know even if you did people would say well i don't believe it you know i mean it's just it goes round and round we know what as a leader you know what you're dealing with you know what the issues are um and so i do i think that generates a sense of loneliness and isolation so a coach becomes a really good friend you know oh. a wise friend kind of a wise older brother or sister you know that's saying well you know um and i think in that that there's a place to really kind of sit down and process and see where you might pivot and be creative again um so i think that that's that's got the kind of first box but the second box i think is that there's the whole kind of area of building muscle on on good habits just generally good habits that are going to you know outside of the whatever the current issues are that you're kind of wrestling with and the coach can help you kind of talk through that but what are the habits that you can put into practice that are going to actually make you lead as a as a non-anxious presence or you know as an encourager as someone that truly is leading to, to their, the, the, their their fullness and I think um, building the, a coach being able to kind of pull back and say, for example, okay, what does your calendar look like? Are you building enough time here? I mean, and I think, I mean, one of the leadership principles we have here, it, it's pretty holistic. I want to know, are my guys getting enough time with their families? You know, what is the state of their own kind of spiritual life? Because it, honestly, if, if those two things go wrong, then they are not going to be able to lead well the communities that they've been given responsibility for. So, and I can see how that would translate in any other kind of marketplace. That's not just for the church. So 
intentionally there is a a kind of holistic kind of you know those habits are holistic are you yeah. are you taking the vacation that you you should are you are you spending enough time with your kids even you know i think um healthy healthy leaders build healthy organizations yeah they do no question they, about it and you yeah. know james clear wrote a great book called atomic habits and in it he says that we rise and fall to the level of our habits yeah you know, it's, it's I, not there's a at the end of the day we're you know energy despite whatever we want to think is finite and yeah. so we we think we can just hunker down and grind it out a little more when yeah. in reality it's our habits that sustain us in yeah. good times and in bad and we rise and fall to those levels of systems uh, that we have and so I, I think you're right I mean I think coaching has to do with providing tools like the one you just mentioned um, and accountability for that right that safe place where you can talk about say hey, yeah you know that's not going well right now like, okay what can we do to get that to get that yeah. back in the right and I, I think it, I think it's a really serious issue I can't tell you how many leaders really good leaders I've spoken to who would say because I think you know whether you kind of profess a faith or or not, I think a Protestant work work ethic has soaked its way into the kind of American psyche. So I think most leaders work extraordinarily hard and long hours, um, and when that gets out of balance, I mean, I can't tell you how many leaders I have spoken to who have said it basically looked something like cancer to kind of cause me to kind of make the adjustments that I needed to, and now I'm working much more efficiently with a lot more joy and much more fruitfully. But let's not let it get to cancer. Let's build in those habits now. Um, and also in terms of, I mean, the only thing, if we're working constantly at a straight line, I mean, in my understanding, the only thing that works at a straight line is the kind of death, that death thing in a hospital where you go, you know, you don't want that. I mean, I think we we are made to kind of rest. It's it's, it's kind of built into us and, um, and we need space to be able to be creative. Um, I often find some of the best ideas I get are in the shower. And I honestly think that's maybe one of the few places where I just shut up long enough to actually think properly. You know, I mean, I'm trying to build in other areas, but I but I do think it's often in the downtime. It could be on the golf course, on a walk or something that you go, that's it. And so that's not cheating. I actually think that's good leadership um, and taking care of yourself so you can take care of others in a, in a, in a healthy way is not cheating. That is, I think, strong leadership. Excellent. Well, we can't end on a better word than that. Drew Williams is the Bishop of the Anglican Diocese in New England, part of the Anglican Church in North America. So grateful for your time today. Thanks so much for the insights that you've shared here. You can give our podcast a like on any of the platforms that you're listening in on now. Tune in next week for another episode. Thanks so much for listening to High Impact, a podcast for leaders.